What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 45. I'm your host, Riley. This week, John Rahm is now a major champion. He won at Torrey Pines. Uh, he was the betting favorite. And to be completely honest, it wasn't that big of a surprise. It kind of makes sense. You come off what happened in Mirrorfield, you're out, then you come back, you win the tournament like you should have a couple weeks ago at the Memorial, get your first major. He was just overdue for a major championship. The kid is too good. Now he gets his first one. Torrey Pines has meant a lot to him throughout his early life and his career. We're going to get to all that. It was an incredible golf tournament. We're going to talk about Torrey, the golf course, the leaderboard coming down Sunday afternoon was ridiculous. Once the guys got to like the seventh hole, once the leaders were on like the eighth hole, ninth hole, right before making the turn, the leaderboard was insane. We're going to obviously talk about all that. There's a bunch of guys that we got to get to. John Rahm, Louie, Brooks, Xander, Bryce, and Rory. We're going to talk about all of them. We're going to recap the bets that we had this week, which we cashed in huge. I must really like the U.S. Open. We had a really good week at Wingfoot at the end of last season and then yeah we just really like us open we cashed in a lot of the bets so we're going to go over all of that and then we get into the travelers championship this week which i'm very excited about i think that we're heading down there saturday to watch the golf going down to connecticut the golf course is awesome the field is great it's slowly turning into one of the better stops on the pga tour for these guys they really like tbc river highlands so we're going to get into a full preview of that very excited about this weekend i love the travelers championship i really like the golf course and the field stack so i'm really looking forward to talking about that but before we get into everything uh one headline and then i'm going to mention a couple things just before we get into the u.s open talk but the one really headline being the Tour Player Advisory Council, headed by Roy McIlroy, has voted to ban green reading books. And I think this is one of those things that's been a long time coming. They've been incredibly popular since they come out, especially over the last couple of years. Bryson DeChambeau has kind of been the poster child for him just because he relies on him so much to read greens. He's obviously a big number guy, big science boy. So he relies on the numbers a lot when it comes to, uh, not elevation chains, but undulation and all that kind of stuff, percent slope and all that stuff. So they uh, have voted to disband them, which I totally agree with. I think, and Rory said this uh, after one of the days of the US Open, green reading is a skill. You learn that while you're growing up playing golf. You need to learn how to read greens, especially when it comes to different surfaces. Like you need to learn how to read Bermuda because of the grain, POA, bent. Like you need to be able to read and adjust to everything. And that's a skill. It shouldn't, that shouldn't be given to you right before you tee off. You shouldn't be able, you know, to get those kind of numbers. And one player who named, who remained anonymous, but I think is on the board, said that at the meeting, the support to banning green reading books was like pretty significant. Like everybody in that meeting was on the same page. No, we have to do something about this. Let's get rid of those things. So it goes to the main PGA Tour Council now. I'm sure that'll get pushed through. I think they're going to be gone by even before the start of next season. Like this is going to be something that takes place within the next couple of months. They're going to be out of here. And for the guys that rely on them a lot, I think we're going to see a pretty big change, to be completely honest with you. Uh, I don't know what it's going to do with pace of play. I think it, 
I think, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's going to slow it down, but part of me thinks that guys are going to stop looking at the book and kind of just be a little bit more reactive on the greens, which might speed it up. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know what it's going to do with pace of play, but I completely agree with the decision. I don't think they should have them. So that's that. Uh, and the other two like headline things that I had, which I guess can get lumped into the U.S. Open talk, uh, Victor Hovland WD'd after getting some sand in his eye after a bunker shot. So he WD'd from the golf tournament. Uh, he didn't have a great first round, and then he tried playing the second round and had a WD. We had him as one of our bets, but that's a wash. Um which I guess is good because it didn't look great for the bet that we had for Victor Hovland. And then I didn't have him in my main U.S. Open notes just because he ended up kind of sliding down the leaderboard a little bit on Sunday. But Matty Wolf, he was back in a big way. He played fantastic golf on Thursday. He was hanging in. He made eight birdies, obviously, when you only shoot. I mean, he didn't shoot six, seven under. But he played very good golf. And he was a guy very... First thing Thursday morning, his name was like on the leaderboard. First thing, I think he went out there and birdied the first hole. We haven't seen him. I think that was his first start since the Zurich, I'm pretty sure. And that's a team event. So I think you even have to go back to like the Masters maybe for for his last solo start. And he just took some time off. He did wasn't enjoying playing golf. He needed to get back to enjoying it again. And he was very open about that after his first round press conference. He touched on how important mental health is in the game of golf. It's a lonely game to be a professional golfer. It's you go to the golf course in the morning, you get your practice round in, you have to deal with media and and uh, pro-ams and all that kind of stuff. And then you just go home probably by yourself to a hotel room that you stay in until you have to get up the next morning and do it all over again. Especially for a kid that should be in college. Uh, the TV commentators love to say, oh, Matty Wolf should still be in college, but he should. He's a young kid. And especially for a kid like that, that has been playing team golf pretty much his entire life, right? You're always with your buddies. If you have a bad day, coach, he even said a coach would just buy him dinner and it's fine. And then he's with his buddies. He can hang out. He can have fun. He can get drunk, whatever. You can do that on the PGA Tour. You can still go out with buddies or whatever. But especially with COVID just happening, that is limited. You can't do that kind of stuff. So it's really like you're in quarantine. You go to your hotel. That's it. And for a kid like that, who's very outgoing and he's hanging out with buddies and all that kind of stuff for a season to go on where you're not having fun. Plus you can't really do the social thing because you're in quarantine, the COVID-19 protocols and all that stuff going on. That is a mental battle, especially when you're not playing well. If you're playing well, you could probably deal with it. But Maddie was missing cut after cut, not playing well. It pretty much started the farmer's He went out with a, I think it was a wrist injury, and then we really didn't even see his name after that. And he was very open about it, which I think was very cool to see how he touched on the mental health aspect. I know Bubba Watson's been huge on that over the last couple months, even the last year. He's been very open about how you got to work on yourself to become a better golfer. And John Rahm used it too. Like he mentioned it after he won that he needed to keep his mind in a good place to bounce back from what happened in Mirfield and all that kind of stuff. So it was awesome to hear Matty Wolf kind of touch on the mental health aspect of it. He sounded really good and hopefully he's here to stay. He played great. I don't even know what he ended up, where he ended up finishing. If I can look it up real quick, but he had a great, yeah, T15. He, he didn't play great in the final round. It ended up, uh, shooting plus plus three in the final round. But the kid played some great golf over the weekend, or not the weekend, but just 
the first three days. It was awesome to see him back. He's incredibly entertaining, right? He's going to make bogeys, but he's going to make a lot of birdies. He's one of the best watches probably on the PGA Tour just to sit there. Obviously, his swing is crazy, but it was awesome to hear. Hopefully, he's back for a long run. Always got to root for Matty Wolf, especially what just happened. He was so open about his personal life that it's like, that's a kid that you want to root for. But we can get into the US Open. Before we get into John Rahm, I do just want to talk about the golf course. We talked about it when the farmers rolled around. We even mentioned it on the show last week. I'm not the biggest fan of Tory Pines. And I guess now on social media, it's like the quote, cool thing to not like Tory Pines. But I just don't think it's a very good golf course. Obviously, the par three third is cool. The fourth is cool with the ocean on the left-hand side. But after that, there's not a lot happening. It seems like the same hole over and over again, 450 to 480 yards straight bunkers in the fairway, bunkers next to the green, not a lot. I mean, they added a runoff area on one of the holes, but like, that's it. Like, they're just not that great. There's not a hole besides maybe the par three third that sticks out in your head when you think about Torrey Pines. And some people would argue that the 18th sticks out in their head. It's a phenomenal golf call. It's really not. It's a short par five. There's water in front of the green, but it's really not in play for those guys. And with the drive, you can eagle the hole, which you get some you get some fireworks down the 18th at Torrey Pines for sure, which is a good thing. But I think people kind of get confused with the golf course being sick and a golf course literally having one moment that takes Tory Pines is really popular with a lot of people just because Tiger Woods won a major there in fantastic fashion on one knee in a 19 hole playoff Monday morning. I think that's why a lot of people love Tory Pines so much. I don't think it's that good of a golf course, right? There's on a lot of U.S. Open tracks, there's a hole or two or three or four that you can make a really big number on if you don't put your golf ball in the right spot. At Torrey Pines, you can make bogeys, and that's kind of it. Something has to go really wrong. Obviously, we're going to talk about Bryson on Sunday. We're going to talk about Rory's double on Sunday. But if you just like put it in a decent spot, even a bad spot, it, you're going to make par or bogey, and it's going to take like a you mistake to make double. Or like you get fucked with a lie or something, which would happen to Roars. But it's just not, I don't think it's a US Open caliber course. Am I fine with it being for the farmer's insurance? Absolutely. It's a tough golf course. But is it a US Open venue? I just don't think so. And I think just because of the Tiger Woods thing, it gets held up to this, oh, this golf course is so sick. Oh, sweet. We're at Torrey Pines this week. But to be fair... The two times that it's hosted U.S. Opens, the finishes have been incredible. You have the uh, Tiger Woods win back in 2008, and you have this week where when the guys made the turn, the best players in the world found themselves at the top of the leaderboard, right? You had Bryson, Rory, uh, Alt, and Louie, and then John Rahm all tied for the lead at the same time with Brooks lurking. DJ was up there. Xander was up there. Um, Scotty Scheffler was up there. Like the best players in the world were right there. And to start Sunday, it kind of got rid of Mackenzie Hughes. It got rid of Russell Henley and Louie obviously has major experience stayed up there, but all those other boys were right there to start the back nine on a Sunday at a U.S. Open. That's hard to complain about. So yes, do I not like the golf course? Yeah, I'm not a big Torrey Pines guy, but the best of the best rose to the top Sunday afternoon and it was awesome. 
So I guess there's, you know, it goes hand. I don't know. It's a, it, it was like a weird, it was a weird situation. You just can't complain. Like if you hear anybody complain about what happened sin, Sunday afternoon, just don't listen to them because it was fucking awesome. But can you listen to critiques of the golf course? Of course. I just don't think, I don't think it's a very good golf course. And people think, oh, Tiger won here, blah, blah, blah. It's public, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I mean, a public golf course isn't like, not all public golf is sick, but also not all private golf is sick. Like, it's just a weird thing. I don't like the golf course, but it has produced two fantastic U.S. Open. So that part is very hard to, very hard to argue. The golf courses that we're going to for future U.S. Opens, though, are all sick. We're starting a run next year that is going to be pretty freaking awesome for U.S. Opens. We have the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is going to be really cool. Long, rough, small greens. It's going to be a really good test. Then we go to L.A., for Los Angeles Country Club, which is freaking sick. Then we go back to Pinehurst, and then we go back to Oakmont, and then we go to Shinnecock again, which is going to be very interesting to see how they set that golf course up because obviously, if you guys remember a few years ago, it was a bloodbath. Zach Johnson, famously, they've lost the golf course. Uh, Phil Mickelson was about to putt one off the green, and then he stopped and like ran and went to get it, and he hit it again. It was awesome. I don't know how the hell they're going to set that place up, but it's going to be sick. And then we're back at Pebble. So we're going on a stretch where the next U.S. Open venues are freaking awesome. And I cannot wait, especially for the one in Brookline, Mass, down the street. That's like 40 minutes from me. T9 will be there all week, which we're very excited about. But I just can't wait. The U.S. Open is going to be very, very awesome for the next six, seven years. But it was good. It was the leaderboard was sick, which I can't complain about. So let's say the guy, let's get to the guy, excuse me, that found himself at the top of that leaderboard, Mr. John Rahm. And it was, it was inevitable. I think that he was going to win that U.S. Open. I didn't, I didn't bet on him. He wasn't on the card to me betting. on. I mean, I know that a couple of the favorites were on the card, but to bet on the betting favorite that I think was at like plus 900 compared to the closest next guy at like 12 or 13, never fun for me. I just think so much was pointing at John Rahm winning that golf tournament. Obviously, he had to go and get it, but it just makes a bunch of sense. John Rahm, on Father's Day, as a new dad, his son was just born, right, a little bit for the Masters. His dad was on the grounds. Just a lot made sense. Just... Too much made sense for him not to win that golf tournament. And the golf course means so much to him. It was the home of his first win, the Farmers Insurance, back in 2017, I believe. He got engaged at that golf course, and now he wins his first major at that golf course. And a lot of people um, like to joke about just because the TV announcers are ridiculous when they talk about it, they talked about Rory with it all the time when he had a kid. And pretty much when you have a kid, they love, love to bring it up because it's something to talk about. But they love to use the word perspective, right? All of a sudden, the world is, doesn't revolve around you and you have a child to take care of and you get all this perspective about the game of golf. But with John Rahm, I think it it makes a little bit of a sense, right? John Rahm is a nutcase on the golf course. At one point, he brought in a bomb diffuser to teach him the mental side of golf and how to relax during a, during a round or whatever. He was a nutcase. But I think that this has changed a little bit for John Rahm. 
the mindset changes. You get a little bit easier on yourself. You have more things to think about outside of golf. All of a home, all of a sudden, you're going home and not thinking about the 73 you just shot. You're thinking you put that completely at the back of your mind, and you have something to take care of now at home. And for John Rahm, I do think it it changes the perspective of things. That prior frustration, he did a really good job on Sunday, kind of shutting everything down. When he missed putts, when he made bogeys. He kind of just put it away and just came right back and battled his ass off. And it was awesome. And especially the the comments that he made after the round. He said, I know my, I, he said, I'm paraphrasing, something along the lines of, I know my son won't remember today, but hopefully when he grows up, he has a dad that he can be proud of. Like he said all the right things after that. He said, this is for Seve. He was just obviously in a really good mood because he just won a major championship. But you could tell by the way he was talking, that something clicked in his head and it's kind of changed for him a little bit. And after listening to him after the final round at the US Open, it's hard to believe that you couldn't be like a fan or root for John Rahm. I think he's in it for all the right reasons. He's a fantastic golfer. He's dangerous. He's going to be a guy to win four, five, six, seven major championships. His game is just way too good not to. I guess we've said that about Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy back in the past years ago, but John Rahm just has a game that is just so good in every single aspect that it's hard not to see him win four, five, six majors. It was incredible. And especially, and he said all the right things before the golf tournament even started on Thursday. He was asked, obviously, about the memorial in Mirfield. He said, hey, guys have missed sporting events. Guys have missed tournaments because of COVID-19. It's no different than the situation I was in. I tested positive. I had the WD. I just had to keep a good mindset about it and come back and have a solid week of golf, hopefully, this week. He did, obviously. But that's a mindset that you got to have. There's nothing that you can do about it. You tested positive for COVID-19. You had the WD. You cannot change that fact. Now, the only thing that you can do, you can come back and win a fucking U.S. Open. And that's exactly what he did. It was an incredible redemption, incredible bounce back. And Rory even said it after the round. Rory goes, he's won two straight golf tournaments. I don't care what anybody says. Obviously, $1.6 million in Patrick Cantley's bank account will probably you know, be a pretty good argument. But John Rahm was winning that thing by six strokes and no one even came close to his score after four rounds. Rory's right. John Rahm won two straight tournaments. He just doesn't have two trophies. That's the difference. He won that golf tournament. That'll always have an asterisk next to that win for Patrick Cantlay because John Rahm won that golf tournament. You can argue, oh, he should have got the vaccination, blah, 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 blah. And I might even on that side, you should get the vaccination because that shit can happen to you, that you get pulled out of that golf tournament because you didn't get it and now you tested positive. But after four rounds, no one got close to his score. John Rahm won that tournament. That's just it. But it was just insane. Those two putts on 17 and 18 were the were the big dick swinging putts that he needed to have, and he won that thing. And they were incredible putts. 17 was insane. The breaker down left to right. It was just... It was one of those moments where it was just like, holy shit, he is about to do this thing. That's the, that's the only thing I could think of when I was watching those putts drop was, oh, he's about to win the U.S. Open. And you could tell by the emotion that's when it came out 
right with those fist pumps one of the best fist pumpers i've ever seen in the game of golf right it's hard to beat tiger but holy crap can john rom fist pump we saw it at the bmw championship when he hit a one like a hundred foot putt to win to beat uh dj in a playoff those two putts on 17 and 18 were incredible putts especially on 18 when you need that birdie right he puts it in the he puts it in the greenside bunker and you got to get it up and down for birdie because that's a very eagleable hole like louis could have eagled that golf hole so you have to put a number up there and if you make it easy for louis where he just needs to stay where he's at and just come in but john rom gets the birdie on 18 i think that one was the bigger one i think and it was just it was incredible to watch him do that and he did exactly what he needed, right? He ended the day at two under. He was three back. The lowest round of the week was 67. In my mind, that was the round that he needed to shoot was 67. Four under, that gets you to six under. That makes the leaders go in and do something. And that's exactly what he did. But it, it is crazy to me that with all that firepower behind the leaders going into even Saturday, that if you were if you just finished at five under, you had a chance to win the golf tournament, right? That was the lead. And it is insane that it stayed right there, especially with all the names behind them. Xander, DJ, Brooks, Rory, Bryson. No one could get past five under except John Rahm. And it was insane. And it really, it took two bombs even for John Rahm to get to six under. So the golf course was playing really tough. A couple stats about John Rahm. John Rahm has now finished first, second, or third in 27 of his first 122 starts in official World Golf Ranking events. He's now the number one golfer in the world. And I think this is his sixth win on the PGA Tour in six seasons. He's here to stay. He's going to win a lot. And he's, like I said, he's going to be a five-time, six-time major championship, I think. First Spaniard to win the U.S. Open. So congratulations, John Rahm, the new world number one golfer. It was an insane weekend for him. And it just kind of culminated with everything. He should have won the Memorial, get back, betting favorite, bang, win the U.S. Open for your first major championship. Insane. The one guy that everybody was looking up to pretty much all day on Sunday was Louis Oosthuizen. Runner-up again for the sixth time in a major. And it, it, on Twitter, it was pretty funny. Everybody was just talking about, oh, how is Louie going <laughs> to lose this one and come in second again? Part of me thought he was going to win. He would just look like he was getting complete control of his golf ball. He was making the eight-foot putts that he needed to. He was making the birdies that he needed to. And on 17, he stood on 17. He was one back because John Rahm just hit two bombs. So you're looking down 17. All you got to do is make par right? You can blow it way right. You can literally have the planet earth to the right. You can hit it over there, make par. And now you go to the very birdieable 18th hole. And if you birdie, you go to playoff. If you make an eagle and hit it in the fairway, you win the golf tournament. That's all you have to do. He stepped on 17, one down. And for some reason he aimed down the left. I know that he hits a cut, but he aimed down directly down the left side of the fairway, hoping it would cut. It did not. He was a little quick Went left, found the penalty area, needed to hit a, take a drop. Now you're hitting three from a, a pretty burnt out spot, right? Like it, it was very doable. He hit a pretty good shot, didn't make the putt, bogeys it. Now you need eagle on 18. 
And to me, I know, I don't know how much he was watching the scoreboard, right? Only he knows that. Who knows that he, if he knew that John Robb got to six, I'm sending that thing four fairways to the right. You have planet Earth to the right. Why are you even thinking about even lining your ball up to that hazard? It makes no sense to me. And that was the most, as soon as that ball went in the hazard, absolutely knew that thing was over. That is such a, even for a guy that has the major, he's finished high in majors all the time. That is just a, a blow that I don't know many people could have come back for. And he almost made the putt too, which is crazy. Needed 18, needed eagle, didn't get it, laid up to a weird spot, whatever. He ended up making birdie for solo second, whatever. But he's the only player in history to have six runner-ups in majors with either only one or zero major wins. No other player has ever done that. He's the 13th player to have six runner-up finishes in majors, but the other 12 have a combined 95 major victories. Ridiculous. But after the round, you got to give him credit. He had a great response. He said he's going to keep knocking on the major's door. Hopefully he gets another one done. I would love to see it. He's been up there way too many times not to get another one done. He just handled it with pure class. We didn't get a singing video like we did last time that he came in second, which was incredible. If you haven't watched it, go look it up. It's amazing. But Louis an easy guy to root for. He's got one of the most beautiful swings on the PGA Tour. I don't know how he hits a bad shot with that golf swing, but he just couldn't get it down the, uh, done down the stretch on Sunday. Brooks Kepka, he finished T4. The dude is absolutely ridiculous. He was at even par to start the day. And then he entered the conversation. He birdied 15 and he was four under. He was very, very much into the conversation. And then he bogeyed 16, bogeyed 18, which was big. If you can just birdie and post it three under, maybe something crazy happens. But Or four under, rather. Maybe something crazy happens, whatever. Ends up bogeying it. He finishes at two under. He's the first player to finish inside the top four in four straight U.S. Opens since Weiskopf did it from 76 to 79. And in his last four U.S. Open starts, Brooks has beaten 614 out of 620 guys. Only six players have beat him in the last four U.S. Opens. Incredible. The dude is insane at U.S. Open. I mean, he's a crazy in majors. He always shows up in majors. I mean, he was just a runner-up to Phil Mickelson. But the U.S. Open is a different animal. That dude is insane at U.S. Opens. Xander, he did it again. Another top 10 finish at the U.S. Open. We all saw that one coming. That was one of our bets. He t 7 He hit that. He couldn't really get anything going all week long. He was never really in contention. Like his name got to the top, not to the top, but on the leaderboard on Sunday. But he just never really got anything going. But for a U.S. Open in his hometown, that's a lot of pressure. And to finish inside the top 10, pretty good. I mean, we saw what happened with Rory at Portrush a couple years ago. And he made a, what, a 15 on the first hole and ended up missing the cut, even though he did actually have a really good Friday. But it's a lot of pressure when you play in your hometown. And he handled it really well with another top 10. It was crazy. The happiest I've ever been on Sunday. Actually, that's not true. I was ecstatic when Rory tied the lead. He, some, I think Louis made a bogey, right? And then Rory was all of a sudden tied for the lead at the U.S. Open. That was incredible. But I was the most happy when Bryson legitimately took a shit down his pants. It was awesome. He got to five under. He was solo leader of the U.S. Open after he birdied eight. He almost made a hole-in-one to get to six under. He was legitimately an inch away from getting a hole-in-one, but he birdies it, gets to five under, solo lead. He makes the turn after not birdieing the par five ninth. 
makes a turn, pars 10, and then he bogeys 11, bogeys 12, makes double on the par 5 13th that was gettable for a guy that can drive it that far. He slipped off the tee, way right, laid up in the rough, laid up in a bunker, just not good. Makes double, and then on 17 makes quadruple, shoots, what is that? One, two, four, eight over on the back. Incredible. Finishes outside the top 25. And that's awesome. We love that. To be completely honest, if this is one of the first episodes you've listened to Twilight Nine, if you are a big Bryson DeChambeau fan, I don't know if you should listen to this podcast. I would love to have you, but I hate that guy. So watching him shoot eight over on the back nine at a US Open after having the solo lead was one of the best things that ever happened to me, especially after what happened at Wingfoot last year. So that was awesome. But it was very funny because he got very defensive about his play after his round on Sunday. It was pretty funny. A uh, reporter asked, I think you went 34 holes without a bogey. How did it, I guess, get off the rails so quick for a lack of a better term? Bryson goes, I didn't get off the rails at all. It's golf. People will say I did this or did that. It's just golf. I've had plenty of times where I hit it way worse than I did today and I won. It's just one of those things where I didn't have the right breaks happen at the right time. I could have easily gotten to seven under, eight under today. I just wasn't fully confident in the golf swing and just got a little unlucky in the rough a couple other places. Bryson hit shanks all over the fucking golf course on the back nine. He made stupid mental mistakes, right? He found the rough off the tee on 13, but he could have just punched it back into the fairway. No, he had to lay up and he got aggressive and found the rough again. And then he got the bunker sculling it all over the place, shanking it all over the place. His chip on 17 was hilarious. His feet were in the bunker. The ball was in the rough, shanked it over the back of the green. I don't know what you would call a derail if that's not a derail, right? I don't get it. And then the reporter, Bryson, we don't seem to understand how much luck plays into this game, especially around here. Bryson goes, nobody understands. A lot of it's luck. I can't tell you how many times I hit shots this week onto bad lies and good lies and played out 50-50 this week. I caught the bad lies in the back nine today. But I knew going into the week that was going to be my game plan, had to get a little lucky for the first three and a half days I did, just not on the back nine. It plays a huge factor in major championship golf. It's probably over 50% in most scenarios. There are times when I hit in the fairway and I hit into a divot. It's just part of it. I don't know if he hit into one divot. Please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if he found one divot in the middle of fairway this week. It is hilarious that whenever something goes wrong in Bryson's golf game, he's like, oh no, I actually played great. Just the ball ended up in bad spots. I cannot stand that man. It is incredible. How do you not? How do you not just own up to, dude? You shot forty four or whatever it is on the back nine of a Sunday at a U.S. Open, dude. You just you derailed and played like shit. You're shanking all over the golf course. What do you mean you caught bad lies? I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm done talking about him. It was awesome to watch him shit down his leg. It was incredible. Which brings us to Rory, which is pretty ironic because obviously he got up to a spot and then didn't play well either, and I didn't like that. But Rory, he pretty, he's played solid pretty much all week. He chipped in a few times, which was cool. He made some nice long putts, especially on Sunday. He had that nice one. Um, he was tied for the lead on the back nine of a major championship. That is a step in the right direction. And then on 11, puts it to 40 feet, three putts, and that's pretty much where it became unraveled, right? You get to three under. 
go back to three under rather. In a, in a bogey, you can bounce back from that on the back nine, especially at Torrey Pines. You had some birdie opportunities coming up, especially at 18 with Rory's distance. You can eagle that. But then he doubled 12. On 12, puts his drive in a fairway bunker, hits not a re- hits a pretty poor shot out of a fairway bunker into a greenside bunker, but it's like plugged up against the lip in the back of the bunker on a downhill lie. So there's absolutely no chance. I think Hosel adjacent out of that bunker stays... Uh, in the face of it on the other side of the bunker, hits it to like six feet, I think, and then mixes the putt, makes a quick double, and that's pretty much it, right? You're thinking, oh, he's at one under. He's completely out of it. The the winner or the leader right now is at five. And then on the next hole, of course, because you can just never die, he puts it to like 25 feet for eagle, and he almost jars it. And if that goes in, now we're back in party mode. Like you got to be kidding me. He bounces right back, gets the double back. And now we're chasing again, misses it. Barely thought he made it get to two under and then didn't really happen to anything. And then got bogeyed 16, put away all chances. But on Sunday he missed eight putts inside 12 feet. And I think that was seven putts inside 10 feet. If I, if I remember correctly, he just could not get anything going with the putter. This was his third straight top 10 in the U.S. Open. And to me, I think his game looks a lot better. You can tell that Cohen was working with him with a cut off the tee. And I would think now I get why they were doing that. He was so far from the inside that a cut makes you get on top of the ball a little bit. And now it's back to a more neutral spot because he was hitting draw, He was hitting draws pretty much off the tee all week, which that's where he plays his best golf with a draw off the tee. His visualization with that is just better. So I think now that his club plane is a little bit more neutral, he'll go back to the draw. I think that cut was just to kind of neutralize it a little bit. Who knows if that's just the strategy around Torrey Pines. He just wanted to play draws instead of cuts, but that's what it looked like to me. His wedge play was way better, especially on Sunday. He had a couple really good wedges that didn't capitalize with the putter, but we'll see how it goes. Um, like I said, I think his game looks a lot better. I like his chances at the open. He's played well there in the past. I think that was, what, 2011. I think he ended up in the top 25. He was could have been in the conversation Sunday, but then didn't play that well. Who knows what happens, but he's currently the second favorite to win the open. I like his chances. I think it would be pretty cool for him to win the open after a drought of a major championship. The open being his first one back would be pretty cool. Time to cover some bets, though. Our bets were awesome this week. We had Patrick Reed for a top 20 at even money. That hit. Thank you very much, Patrick Reed, for a final round four under. That'll do. Will Zalatoris we had for a top 20. That's a miss. The kid missed the cut, which was pretty surprising after his previous uh, results at majors this season. He didn't finish outside the top 10 and then missed the cut completely after coming in the top 10 at the Farmers earlier this year. That one was very surprising. Victor Hovland, we had a top 20, but that's a wash. He WD'd because of an injury. Got our money back on that one, which was nice. We had Max Homa for a top 40. That is a miss. He missed another cut at a major. His major championship performances have been awful. We had Xander Shoffley for a top 10 at plus 170. That hit a T7. We had Scotty Scheffler for a top 20. That easily hit for plus 155. And Roy McIlroy for a top 10. That hit as well for plus 200. So for the week. After taking out Victor Hovland's uh, WD bet, we were four of six for plus 425 on the week or plus 4.25 units. So if you bet $100 on all of those bets, you won 425 bucks over this weekend. That is a great bounce back week for us. We kill the US Opens. I think we were up over two units at Wingfoot. So we're up almost, I think, seven units over the last two US Opens. We like that. 
we like that a lot. But the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines, 2021, pretty good. Pretty good. The leaderboard coming down the stretch was just phenomenal. It was really, really awesome. Really good. But let's jump in. The Travelers this week. Let's put the major championship. We got another one, I think, 24 or 23 days from now when you guys listen to this on Tuesday. The Open is in 23 days. But let's go over the championship. Travelers. Um. I love this golf tournament. It's I said at the top of the show, it's quickly becoming one of the more popular stops for these guys on tour. Uh, it's a little bit of a bummer that it follows up a major now, but the golf course is really cool and it attracts a really good field. Our guy, Rory, is usually in this field. I think he was T11 last year. He's had some other really good performances. I think history-wise, he's the second. I was looking at this at Data Golf. Beside, underneath, I forget who was number one. But Data Golf has like, Minimum 12 rounds, the top 25 players at TPC River Highlands. Roy was two. So he plays really well at this golf course, uh, but he is not in the field this week. I think he's playing in the Irish Open, not this week, but next week. So he might be going over um, over overseas this week, taking a week off, but we'll see. Let's take a look at the field. Defending champion Dustin Johnson, who put on a show last year, returns after losing his world number one ranking just a few days ago. He played decent at the U.S. Open, just couldn't really get anything going on Sunday. But to be completely honest, he really hasn't shown much form since he won the Masters. So we'll have to see if he kind of bounces back and plays well this week. Hopefully he does. Golf's a better place when DJ plays well. And he obviously played pretty well in Connecticut last year. So hopefully this is the golf course that kind of helps him return to form a little bit. Uh, Brooks Kepka. Obviously, was just in the mix a couple days ago. Uh, he had a top 20 finish back here in 2018. He doesn't play here a crazy amount, but I have seen him play here a couple times. Other big names in the field include Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Patrick Cantlay, Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson, and Bryson DeChambeau. The golf course, TPC River Highlands is a par 70, going to play right under 6,900 yards, so it is a short one. Bent grass, Poa Greens. The weather looks a little bit iffy as we get further into the week. Thursday's beautiful, 80 and sunny. Friday, partly cloudy, 79, 21% chance of rain. Saturday, 84, partly cloudy, 24% chance of rain. And then Sunday, we're going to get some showers. I don't know what time we're going to get showers, but 84 showers, 37% chance of rain, and the wind is up at 14 miles an hour. So the wind on the weekend is going to be up a little bit, and we might get some rain uh, come the weekend. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Key stats. So this golf course is very interesting. Um, It's short. So you might think like bombers would have a huge advantage here because you can cut corners and blah, blah, blah. It's actually not like that. Um, It's a lot of, I don't want to say forced layups, but the smarter play is to just hit irons and woods off the tee. The fairways are very easy to hit at almost 70% last year. The greens are also easy to hit, but the greens are the tough part. They're very undulating. They're very nuanced. It's hard to hit long putts, so you need to hit it close. You need to be a good putter. And that's kind of that's kind of what we're going with. This is iron iron play is really important here, especially proximity. I would say not even greens of regulation. The proximity needs to be really good this week. You need to give you a lot uh, yourself a lot of chances inside, like twenty feet outside of that. The greens are really hard to putt on. And like I already said, irons and woods are going to be key off the tee this week. Long and short players have won this golf tournament. Just look at the two past champions of the last two years, DJ and Ches Reeve. I think are the last two are the last two winners of the Travelers Championship. So, yeah, I mean Bubba's won this golf tournament a lot. I'm trying to think, yeah. So 2020 DJ, 2019 Ches Reeve, 2018 Bubba Watson for the third time. So 
both kind of golfers have won at this golf course before. So it doesn't really favor a long or short. And I think Ches Revy like put on a show. I think he won by like six or something like that. Data golf information course fit. Number one is Eastlake, home of the tour championship. Number two is TPC Twin Cities. And number three is Innisbrook, the Copperhead course. That is the home of the Valspar championship. Trending of the players in the field. Patrick Reed is actually number one. His last three starts, missed cut, solo fifth, T19. Two is Kevin Streelman at T20, T13, T15. And Scotty Scheffler at missed cut, third, T7. Percent chance to win based on baseline course history, course fit. All of that is number one, Patrick Cantley at 5.9%. Number two is Paul Casey at 4.9%. And number three is at Brian Harmon at 4.6%. Some of the betting odds. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau, and this is on FanDuel, is the favorite at plus 1,100. DJ's at 12. Kepka's at 15. Paul Casey's at 16. Cantley's at 17. Scotty Scheffler's at 23. Patrick Reed's at 27. Tony Finau's at 29. Uh, Brian Harmon's at 31. Matty Wolf's at 35. If you go down a little bit, uh, Cameron Smith is at 6. Go down even further. Jason Day's at 75. Max Homa's at 75. Ricky Fowler's at 75. So there's some guy in the field. I'm just now realizing Max Homa's in the field. Uh, he's not on the card, or he's not one of the guys we're about to go over, but he might be just because I like betting on Max Homa uh, in non-major tournaments. So let's go over some guys to look at this week. And as you'll, if you do more research on this golf tournament later, TBC River Highlands is one of those courses that's like, you've all heard the term, the term horses for courses before, like TPC river Highlands is that like, it's the same guys pretty much every year. Like the guys, certain guys just love this golf course. And the biggest one to me is Bubba Watson. He's a three-time winner here. He won in 2010, 2015, 2018. Last year, he was three under after Friday and missed the cut. The missed, like, that's crazy that the cut was that deep. So he played decent enough last year, just not enough to make the cut. He was near the top of the leaderboard heading into the weekend at Torrey Pines this weekend, but shot 11 over on the weekend and, sh- and finished T50. He's shown flashes over the last two months of good golf with top 20s at the Wells Fargo and the Valspar. It's just really hard to ignore his history here. And at, he's plus 6,000 to win at a golf course that he's won three times. And over the last month or two, he's had really good finishes and was in the conversation before the weekend started at Torrey Pines. I just think that is crazy value for that guy. I don't know if I'm going to bet on him to win, but you're going to be able to get pretty good value for a top 20 or top 30. And that's where he's going to be on the card this week. Both plus 6,000 for a three-time champion of a tournament. I just think that is way too much. Another past winner, Kevin Streelman. He won the Travelers back in 2014. That is actually his most recent victory is back in 2014. But last year, he was actually runner-up to DJ. DJ beat him by one stroke. Kevin Streelman shot 18 under at TPC River Highlands last year. He's just been hanging around leaderboards for the past like month plus. He missed the cut at the Valspar. But since then, he's played in five events. He hasn't finished out the t- outside excuse me, the top 30. He has four top 20s in that span, highlighted by a T8 finish at Kiowa and a T15 at Torrey Pines. He's playing tough golf courses really well. He's hanging in there, and his proximity numbers, like I mentioned, is going to be important this week. They're just really good. 37th in proximity overall. I think this is over his last 36 rounds. Uh, fifth from 75 to 100, 17th from 125 to 150, which is going to be important yardage this week. A couple of the par threes are longer, but he's 19th from 175 to two. So his proximity numbers is just really good. Obviously has a good history at this golf course, even of late runner up just last year. He's hanging around leaderboards. This guy is going to be probably a pretty popular pick among the betting community this week, if I had to guess.
And then a guy that we're just going to go right back to after betting on him at the U.S. Open, Scotty Scheffler. I think TPC River Highlands is a perfect venue to get your first PGA Tour win, and that's what Scotty Scheffler is still looking for. I mention it every single time that we bet on Scotty Scheffler, but he's still looking for his first PGA Tour win. I think this venue is perfect for that, especially at a golf course that you need to score low. Scotty Scheffler is fourth in birdie average, which, excuse me, that's something we love to see. Like Bubba, Scotty shot three uh, three under over the first two days of the travels last year, but missed the cut. He was in the conversation at Torrey Pines, but finished at one under. That was T7. In his last four starts, he has three top tens, and I think that other start was a missed cut, actually. I just think he's very overdue for a win, and at plus 2,300 at FanDuel, I think he's probably actually going to—I know I've picked him. I think—what tournament did I pick him at? Was Xander. I forget. I think it was a couple weeks before the Memorial. I forget. I think he's probably going to be my pick to win this week is Scotty Scheffler at plus 2,300 on FanDuel. I think that's great value for him. He's still looking for his first win. Again, he makes a bunch of birdies. You need to do that around TPC River Highlands. I think that's a great pick. The little lefty, Brian Harmon, he loves himself some TPC River Highlands also. He missed the cut last year, even though he shot two under. But before that, he finished inside the top 10 in 2019 and in 2018. Over his last seven stroke play event starts, he's only finished outside the top 20 one time, and that was a missed cut at the monster of a golf course, Kiwa Island, for the PGA Championship. Going back to the players, this finishes T3, T5 at the match play, T12 at the Masters, T13 at the RBC Heritage, T18 at the Wells Fargo, miscut at the PGA, T8 at the Charles Schwab, and T19 at the US Open. The dude is playing some golf. He's 2,500 to win, which he's usually not that high, but that should tell you that Vegas is really high on Brian Harmon this week. If we can get plus value for a top 20 for him, that's probably where we're going to end up putting him. Probably. Charlie Hoffman, we've been on him a couple times over the last month or two. He's won us some money. He's going to be a guy to watch this week. He's 10th on tour this season in strokes and approach, and he's 17th overall in proximity over his last 24 rounds. He hasn't had recent success at the Travelers Championship, but past finishes might reflect how he may play this week. He was T15 in 2018, T3 in 2017, and had another top 25 finish back in 2016. His last two finishes... Nothing to write home about. I think they were both T57, but before that, Hoffman was on a roll. He was T7 at the AT&T Pebble Beach Program, T10 at Arnold Palmer, T17 at the Players, uh, solo second at the Valero Texas Open, T18 at the RBC Heritage, T11 at the Zurich, T18 at Valspar, T17 at the PGA, T3 at the Charles Schwab. Like Charlie Hoffman is playing some freaking golf right now and is really good to see. He's such a good iron player. Um, if he can put it close, he can roll it. He's a decent putter, decent enough to make birdies. So he's definitely going to be a guy to watch this week. Um, and then, oh, I actually forgot this in the headlines. It was just, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes ago was announced. Ricky's having a kid, Ricky Fowler and his, uh, fiance, Allison, I think, uh, are having a baby girl soon. So that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. But he was my next, he's my next name on this list. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago on the show. I think Ricky is in for a big week and I think he's in for a win and I don't know if it's going to be here, but his last two starts were a T eight at the PGA and T 11 at the Memorial. If you go back, I don't know the last time that he played at this golf tournament. I'm going to have to look at it live for you guys. 2020 didn't, uh, 2019. He didn't, who knows if he's ever played here before. This might be his first time. I don't see him yet. We're going all the way back to 2018 already. 2017. 
nothing. This might be Ricky's first appearance in the Travelers. But the kid's playing some golf right now. So let's see. I think he was plus 7,000 a win, if I remember correctly, up here. I think I said his name earlier. Plus 7,500. So you're going to be able to get plus odds even for a top 30. I would take that with Ricky. I just have a good feeling. He's coming off two top 15 performances. One of them was a top 10 at the PGA. Those glasses, those prescription sunglasses, I think are helping. He's got the uh, TV announcer's favorite word, going to be perspective pretty soon. And it was kind of just the year of the comeback, right? Jordan Spieth won for the first time in a while. Rory broke a streak. It would be pretty awesome to see Ricky Fowler win too. So, and golf, again, he's another guy. Golf is a better place when Ricky Fowler is playing better golf. He's such a good icon for like the kids and stuff that it would be pretty awesome to see Ricky Fowler win a golf tournament. So if you can get plus odds for him, which I'll know tomorrow, hopefully, for like a top 30 finish, especially if he's at 7,500, jump on jump on Ricky. Um, a couple other guys quick. Uh, Emiliano Grillo might be a good look. He's had some good finishes at this golf tournament before. And then Russell Henley. He's coming off, obviously, a pretty disappointing Sunday at the U.S. Open. But I like, to get, I like to jump on guys that had a really good week all week and then kind of didn't have a great Sunday. They usually come back and play pretty good the next time they come out. He could be a guy to look at. He's had some high finishes. I think he had like a top five maybe back in 2017 or 2018. He's played pretty well at TPC River Highlands. He's coming off a good week. Uh, his starts before that were awful. He had a couple missed cuts like T60s and shit like that. But he could be a guy to look at too. But that's pretty much it. That's the recap of the U.S. Open. That's a preview for the uh, Travelers Championship. The depending on when you guys are listening to this, the betting article may already be out. Um, hopefully, like early afternoon on Tuesday, the betting article will be out for you guys uh, to read over, get your bets in, and all that kind of stuff. The betting video will be out some point on Wednesday, like it already is, always is rather. Uh, follow the Instagram at Twilight Nine Pod at Riley Hamill underscore is my personal Instagram, TikTok, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the second instructional video went live on the YouTube on Friday. So if you haven't taken a look at that, go watch that. The next one will be out this Friday, I believe. Still trying to figure, I know I mentioned it last week, but I'm still trying to figure out when I want to do the second episode of the week. I don't know if I'm going to move the instructional video to Thursday and then release it Friday. I'm not sure. I got to figure it out. But that's it for the show this week, guys. So enjoy the Travelers Championship this week. I cannot wait. Enjoy the golf this weekend, and I will talk to you guys next time. Peace.